This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. wish I could sing. Unfortunately, you know, whenever I tried, um, <laughs> Angela, Angela, Angela. Good evening, everyone. Blessing to you, everyone. And blessing to all those who are not in the sanctuary tonight who are home, and blessing to all those who are not following us tonight, but who will be, who will, who will, who will be listening to us probably tomorrow, or next week, or next year. Blessing to you all. Yes, um, I like all the song ended. Thank you, Sister Olivia. Trust in him to love you, to save you. You'll never be the same. Trust in him to save you. You'll never be the same. Do you think about it? But you need to trust. You need to be able to, to trust him. You need to be able to know that he can save. You must be able to know that once you can make the step of trusting and accepting the fact that he can save, everything changes immediately. You are not the same anymore. And for these 10 days, we are being invited to walk this journey of trusting God, telling God that, Lord, I want you to save me. Lord, I want everything to be different going forward. And the invitation to each one of you for these 10 days is Let's go back. Where? To the altar. Let's go back. Let's go back to the altar. But suppose that there is an altar first. And I would say that at some point, you were by the altar. And something happened. You move away from, and now you're being called back to the altar. Why? Because of the benefits of being close to the altar. Because you have all interest to go back to the altar. So for these 10 days, we are being invited to go back there. But one of the things that we are being invited to do while we are going back, while we are praying and pleading with God to have mercy on us, 
We are not going back alone. We are invited this week to pray for others. Each one of us is invited to pray for, let's say, five to seven person. Five to seven. Look around you. At home. In your neighborhood. At work. And guess what? Probably at church. Seven, five or seven people you want to pray consistently and ask God to come into those people's lives. And I'm sure that right now, some of you already writing those names of those friends or co-workers or relatives or neighbor. Find five or seven names to pray for. While you are going back, don't go alone. Go. Intercede for yourself. But intercede also for the Holy Spirit to, to find those five or seven souls for the Holy Spirit to reach out to these people. You also plan to reach out to those people during those 10 days. Pray for them. Because you are not going alone. And again, you are invited to go back to the altar. Today is the first, first night. And I'm privileged um, to, to share the, the, the word with you. Thank you, Sister Angela and Sister Dion. So, and the title tonight is Back to the Altar, Praying for a Reconnected Heart. Praying for a Reconnected Heart. And the question that is being asked tonight, where are you? Lord, the same question you ask to Adam and Eve. You are asking each one of us the same question tonight. Where are you, Fred? Where are you, sister? Where are you, brother? Where are you? I pray, Lord, for a special outpouring of your spirit so by the presence of the, your Holy Spirit can come into our life so we can allow ourselves to be found by you. So we accept to go back to you at this place where reconciliation, reconnection, and salvation take place. So we go back to the altar and meet you, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. Where are you? Let's go back to the altar. And guess what? The altar can be considered as a, as a physical structure that was used to make sacrifices. And one of the places that we are going to find the altar, specifically, it was in the Old Testament sacrificial system. We find the altar, remember, 
We find the altar in the sanctuary, right, Sister Dion? And there were two in the sanctuary, right? There were one in the courtyard that was the altar of burnt offerings. This is where all the sacrifices used to happen. Well, you seen, this is where you bring that animal that, would, uh, uh, um, that they would sacrifice, the altar of the burnt offering. Actually, this altar represents what? It represents the cross of Christ. Why? Because the animal that was sacrificed represents Jesus, who will be our ultimate sacrifice later on. You know Jesus' sacrifice at the cross. And there was a second altar, the altar of incense inside the holy place of the sanctuary. There, actually, if you read Exodus 30, verse 7 and 8, it will give you uh, um, an idea of the second altar in the sanctuary. But this altar of incense represents the prayer of God's people. As we read, we can read in Revelation 5, verse 8. But not only in the sanctuary, you have different Bible characters. They offer sacrifice, they build altars to offer sacrifice to God for something that God has done for them. You remember Noah, you remember Abraham. Abraham himself, wherever he would live, you know, he would be uh, moving from place to place. Wherever he went to live, he would build an altar to the Lord. Noah, for instance, he built an altar to the Lord to thank God, to thank God, because finally he was at the end of his journey in this huge boat we call the ark, and God took him to a safe landing on, 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 on dry ground, and he built the altar, and he burned incense. And when we read Genesis 8, we know what happened. God was pleased by the aroma that came out of this altar. And God made the covenant of the rainbow with Noah, a promise he would never again destroy life with a flood. So guess what? And we could go on and on in the Bible to find those places where, we, we, where um, Bible characters would be altered to, to do what? To connect. And the key about it, you would say that if they wanted to connect to God, they could just pray. Do the importance of this altar, and I will, I will say maybe physical or not, the importance to have a physical or the imagery of an altar where you meet God, because there is a reason for that. And whenever, whenever we are talking about relationship between man and God, the altar is unavoidable. It is at the center of the relationship, of the connection between man and God. This is why during those 10 days, during those 10 days, we'll, we'll consider it, and different speakers will sit on different angles, a place to connect with God. Connect with God in worship. Connect with God in praise. 
Connect with God in thanksgiving. Connect with God in prayers. But disconnection with God, disconnection with God can happen. Why it can happen? Because there was a sacrifice. Because there was one day a cross and there was a savior. Because at some point, Jesus made the sacrifice of dying and Jesus made it possible for us to refer to the altar as a place where we meet God because Jesus, again, is at the center of it. Guess what? When it was the time in the Old Testament where they have to sacrifice animals in the sanctuary courtyard, it was necessary. You might say, well, why they have to kill all those poor animals? What did they do wrong? But remember, once sin entered, it was clear. The consequences were death. And Adam and Eve were supposed to die. Jesus jumped in, well, to say, well, they don't need to die. We have a better plan. And it started with the animal. This is why it was, uh, it was not uh, uh, a nice picture. Because you have to go, you have to kill this poor animal. You have to see the blood coming out. It was not some type of event where, oh, you go, you know, you have some, some, some information. Oh, here you order and you go, you say, yeah, I order the animal. And then you go to the cashier, you pay, and then you go home. No, you have to take it and act on it God wanted it this way so humanity, so men could understand the, the, the gravity of sin and the harsh consequences of sin. And men could understand what was coming to, could, could understand that if someone in the future, Jesus, we are here in the Old Testament, if someone accepts in the future to die, in this ugly way, it needs consideration. And for us today, when we look back, if someone accepted this terrible, painful death, we should look at it seriously. We should look at it seriously. It is not a joke. Because guess what? Without this sacrifice, there's no hope. Without the sacrifice, we don't need to be here. We can go, each one of us can go our own way, do our own stuff, because there's no hope, there's no tomorrow, there's no salvation. It would be all lie and lie and lie. But praise be to God, Jesus accepted to make the sacrifice. And we know, we learned that he had to die. So now, when we are saying that we were supposed to die, he died, he took our place to die. 
So we know when we want to go back to the altar, we are not going back clueless. We are going back knowing that Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice and is the link that we find at the altar that we connect us to the divine. But guess what? All this consideration around altar, the importance of it, it makes sense now. And it became necessary because something terrible happened first. Adam and Eve, they sinned. And notice they were perfect. They were perfect, pure, and live in an equally perfect environment where interaction with God was normal. They had interaction with God without any intermediaries. And the worst happened. And fear and guilt and shame took over. Adam and Eve were on the one. And the crucial question came, where are you? It was God calling his creatures in hiding. Where are you? They were not at the point of meeting. They were not where they have their regular appointment. They were not there. Where are you? You are hiding somewhere. It's not that God did not know exactly where they were. No. Actually, this, the psalm that I like the most in the Bible, 139, you know, it's clarified this so well. Psalm 139, verse 1 to 6, it clearly shows that God exactly knew where they were because, first of all, God is omniscient. He knows everything. Psalm 139, verse 1 through 6, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. <clears throat> you know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts before you comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful to me, for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. God is all-knowing. God knew where they were. On the top of it, additionally, not just that God is, because he is all-knowing, and Psalm 139 clearly state that he knew everything. He knew them. They were hiding, but they were not hiding for him. Psalm 139 continues to show us that God is not just all-knowing. He is everywhere. He is omnipresent. Verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there, even in hell. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I said, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night 
shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day, the darkness as the light are both alike to you. So again, God asked the question, where are you? They were in hiding, not because God did not know, but God was trying to point to something else. The question came after their disobedience, and the diso their disobedience created a breach in the relationship between human, Adam and Eve, and God. They were not at the point of meeting that day. And God telling them, where are you, was asking them literally, what is going on? Do you know what happened to you? What was wrong with you? This is what God was trying to do to tell them. Why they got himself into trouble? Because Satan was able to create enough doubt and confusion in their mind by, by, by the way he asked nuanced questions. You know, you, you shall not eat. Uh, as God indeed said, you know, as God indeed said, he knew that God said it. But as God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And poor Eve, thinking that she, she, can, she can argue or negotiate with evil. Oh yeah, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And then, he pushed forward the confusion, challenging their mind. You will not truly die. Because he knows that in the day you eat it, your eyes will be open. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Tell me, who is this human being at this moment where you are told that, oh, you can become like a God. You are able to know everything. You can make the difference between good and evil. You're challenging your mind. You're challenging your mind. And in a lot of cases, when you, when, when you allow yourself to have that type of engagement with the devil, when you allow yourself to have that type of challenge of communication with the devil, when you think that you are smart enough to argue with the devil, most often you get confused and you make the wrong choice. Look what happened. Where did it happen? Adam and Eve was inside the garden. They were perfect in a perfect environment. And still, they messed up. And remember what happened? Immediately they messed up. What did they do? They discovered immediately, oh, we are naked. But you are always naked, people. And now nakedness is an issue. And they move. Yeah, you can read it in, 
In Genesis chapter 3, they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Remember, uh, um, I would like you to notice what is happening here. They just messed up. Instead of, and they missed a very important appointment, instead of thinking about, to, about turning to God to say, God, Lord, we messed up. What did they do? They, 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 they look at the consequences now. They move their focus from the sin itself, looking at the consequences and being afraid of the consequences. They try to control the situation. They try to get a hold on the situation. Now we are naked. Let, let's cover ourselves. Let's not expose ourselves. Expose ourselves to you, the one who created you. The one, Adam, who, who made the first surgery on you? The focus now is, is on the consequence. And again, where they were? All of this is happening inside the garden. Think about when we think that we are inside the church and we think that because we are inside the church, because we say that we are Christian, because we say that we know God, because we say that we are serving God, because we say that we are serving the Adventists, we think that we are safe. And we can argue with the devil. We can open doors uh, of our mind to get challenged by the devil because we think that we got it, we are safe. It's happened in the garden. So it can happen here inside the church. And for those who think that, oh, I'm not a church person, I'm not in a religion, I am just spiritual. Oh yes, you are exposed as well if you think that your religiosity is safety. It's happened inside the garden. And second, and second, when you messed up now, what do you do? Instead of turning to the Savior to say, Lord, I messed up. Now you, you, you go further in your consideration because you are too smart. You, are, you want to control the situation. Because now I have to manage my image. I have to manage my reputation. It cannot go out. I have to control it. I have ways to control it. And God knows, or many of us, me included, are, are guilty of this. I am guilty of it. And a lot of others are guilty of it. But in today, I would like you to focus on yourself as I'm focusing on myself. What is this thing in my life today where I want to focus to control the consequence that is preventing me to go back to the Savior and say, Lord, have mercy. Obviously, once this happened, it's come the need for an altar to recreate the connection, to reconnect men to his creator and savior. There comes the need to repair, to rebuild this relationship because there is a bond that was broken. Oh, praise God. 
there was an answer to this need in the form of this voluntary sacrifice to restore man's connection to God. Today, like Adam and Eve, the same question is being asked to each one of us. Where are you? Where are you? When, Jesus, when, when, when God asked the question to Adam and Eve, it was, what Satan did to you? So today, God is telling me, is telling each one of you, where are you? What is Satan is doing to you now? Now, in the form of life challenges, in the form of your choice of lifestyle, in the form of choice of life philosophy, in various personal views on life and human being, on the value of life, or just what my life is worth. What Satan is doing to you in your choice of what matters most and what doesn't. What Satan is doing to you now? Is there hope? Are you questioning yourself? Or why even care or dare to hope? What Satan is doing to you on the promise of connection with the best and latest technological advancement? Where are you? What are you doing now? What mess is going on now in your life? This is the call of the Savior to each one of you. Where are you? Are you caught up in the latest attractive trend on life and being? Are you inadvertently confusing hope and the consequence of all the evil happening on earth right now? Are you sitting on the sideline, unable to choose? Or are you deliberately rejecting hope and the source of all hope? Only because you cannot answer all the questions in your mind, while at the same time, no other philosophy of life, no scientific development or way of life offer real, serious, and definitive answers to your questions. Brothers and sisters, the call for, to us, the question to us today is, where are you? And in the face of dub, let me tell you, the choice should be smart and clear. Take hope at the slightest opportunity. In the face of dub, accept the sacrificial lamb that will bring you back to the altar and create and restore your connection with God. Going back to the altar is accepting that there is a disconnect, is accepting that some way, at some point, Satan confuse you into making not the right choice, making wrong choices, but there is still hope because Jesus died and Jesus is, at, is key at the altar. Where are you? Where are you? To answer this question, to answer our God to this question, I'll go back again in Psalm 139. I like the Psalm. Verse 23, 24, that give us a helpful insight in thinking God, in answering to the question, where are you? Wanting to go back to the altar, we should ask God the following. Psalm 139, verse 23, 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Would you like to do that tonight? 
Would you like to tell God, yes, Lord? The devil confused me. I'm focused on the consequences of my sin. But I hear your voice calling me, asking me where I am. I cannot hide from you, Lord. I want to go back to you. I want you, Lord, to meet you at the altar. I want this reconnection. Would you like to do that tonight? And Jeremiah 24, 7 give assurance that when we do that, what happened? Jeremiah 24, 7. I will give them a heart to know me, that I'm the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. Where are you? The Lord is inviting you tonight. The Lord is asking the question tonight. And the Lord is inviting you tonight to discover where you are. The real place you are, exactly where you are in life now. And the need to go back and to say, Lord, search me. And when the Lord search me, find those wicked ways in me, when the Lord get into my life, the Lord can accomplish his word for me. In Jeremiah 25, I will give you a heart to know me, that I'm the Lord. Do you want to accept this new heart that the Lord wants to give you? Wherever you are now, I invite you to think about it. Wherever you are now, I invite you to reflect on it. Wherever you are now, here with us at church or at home, or we'll be viewing this later on, think about it now. Where are you? Not where you would like to be. Not where you think you are in your best dream. It's not about dream here should not be dreaming. It's serious stuff. Where you really are. Why I like Psalm 139 is because sometimes we don't even know where we are. This is why we need to ask God, search me, O oh God, and know my heart. So expose me to myself, Lord, so I know where I am, the trouble I'm in. And the need that I have to go back to you to accept this heart, this new heart that you are giving me so I can be your people. I, you can be my God and I can return to you. You can take me back to the altar. We connect me to the divine. And hope of salvation makes sense now. Probably you don't know where you are or when you look about where you are, you are being challenged. And if you need help in that journey, because we cannot do it by ourselves. If you need help in the form of prayer, in the form of someone calling you to pray with you, to talk to you, 
in the form of people praying constantly for you if you are home or even here. You can take the next step by texting Arthur to 954-388-8780. And you will find willing servant will reach out to you to talk to you, to pray with you. Not because they are good, but because they've made the decision to ask the Lord to change their heart. And because if they can turn in this journey and help someone else stand up, look up to God and ask God to transform his life, they are willing to do it. So please, text 954, text Arthur to 954. 388-8780. While you are doing it, pray in your heart. Pray in your heart the word of Psalm 139, 23, 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.